Thanks for the coffee day, Cherise. McDonald's finest. You're welcome. It's the only coffee shop open around here. Well, coffee, sorry. I was going to say, shop. that's an incredible liberty to call it a coffee <laughs> shop. Well, the coffee shop that we all usually go to doesn't open until 11 a.m. Which is kind of weird. Yes, I guess this is right? the neighborhood, right? It's not, it's for hipsters that no, I roll think, out of bed at No, I think it's weird because you totally miss out on the entire swath of like, seven to 9 a.m. people going but I to think work. The, so to, to give a bit of background, the neighborhood in which our office is located is, I, I, in many ways, it's like old Hong Kong. Yeah. Like I think it's very much the last remaining, I want to use this word, I don't know if I'm using it correctly, the last bastion. Yes, I actually think you are using that correctly. The last bastion of old Hong Kong culture in a way. Like I don't know about last, but is one of the remaining. Yeah, so- most people that live in this area are not prototypical coffee drinkers in the sense of what this coffee shop is. Yes. What's it called again? Urban Coffee Roaster. Which I think does a good job of explaining what kind of coffee shop it says it, is. it all. Yeah. There's like bikes hanging from the wall and stuff. It's one of those coffee shops. The coffee is good. You say, because that last oh, yeah, statement yeah, yeah, you yeah, said with right. derision, but the coffee itself is Yeah, fine. it's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, so, so you're- you're off to Shanghai today. Yes. I'm flying in about five hours. I am going loosely related to a trade show, which I never thought was the thing I was going to say. I think it'd be good for you to go though. Yeah. Bring back some intelligence. You think? Yeah. This is actually my first one. Like I've never been to Agenda or Complex Con or, yeah. you know. It's going to be interesting. Anything. Because it's not, as I understand, it's not a traditional B2B trade show, right? What's it called? Intersect? Yeah. Inner, inner sect. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that? Because what's the word usually? Isn't it usually intersect? Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's like a little bit difficult to say. Yeah. Um. I, th- God. Because consumer trade shows are a bit different than business B2B trade shows. I actually am. I packed my making shirt and I'm going to wear it. Oh. Just to rep you guys. Which is the only one in existence. So Alex was messing around with some shirts and he made a sample that I think you're the only one that has. Yeah. It's a, of it's a one of one. I, I feel very special. Yeah. As you should. Um, so last night you had an interesting recording. Yeah. So uh, over the course of the last few days, Jamal Berger, AKA J scale was in Hong Kong at a course by Magnum photos and we were just chopping it up. And I thought it was really interesting because I never really, knew about him personally and there there's a bit of mystery uncertainty wrongful categorization i would say of instagrammers right and i think well i don't know if it's wrongful i mean we've talked about this before because i do think there is some intentionality on their part in how they portray themselves not that they're trying to be misleading but just that they might not think that their social identity is who, you know, they are in private, which is fair. Yeah. So, you know, when, when you, when you start grouping Instagram photographers and I only say that as a loose sort of uh catch all, right. Mm-hmm. People that are into sneakers, into street, you know, street snaps, all that stuff. You tend to paint them with the same, same brush. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interact. I would say once you get to know people, you understand that there are a lot of people that are, 
getting played by the game that sort of fall within the path of what Instagram, social media dictates. Yeah. And you have other people that just understand what tool Instagram is. And like, I won't give away too much, but I walked away with that conversation with a lot of respect and admiration. I mean, he's only 24 years old and he has a really level head on his shoulders. Like he's going out there to utilize his platform for philanthropy, you know? Like he comes from not necessarily a background of memes yeah. and he didn't pick up a camera till somewhat recently, you know, and started shooting on his phone, et cetera. And then that sort of parlayed into a camera that his work got him. And that was the start of it all. Okay. Right. So yeah, I was really impressed because just as much as he had a friend with him, his name's Reed. And I had no idea how old he was. He was, he had just moved here from Toronto for school. And he was like, yeah, I met, how long you guys know each other? I asked him, he's like, oh, I'm, I met him like two years ago when I was 15. I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, oh, and I never actually clicked two and two together. Like, oh, that means he's 17 now. Goodness. But you know, for, for as much as people want to denounce quote unquote millennials, I think there's a lot of really intelligent. Well, that's what you've always been about. Like yeah. You, you and um, Megan as part of the vision is to educate and give resources to young people. Yeah. Who are looking for it. Yeah. And I think they exist. It's the one thing that I found, you know, that, that sort of kicked off my relationship with, with Jamal slash J scale was he was just so forthcoming with questions. And for me, I, I thought it was really refreshing because first not knowing how old he was, seeing him as being, you know, a pretty respected photographer in this space. What I found really interesting about my relationship or the relationship we sort of fostered over the course of the last few days was he was so open about honing his craft, like very open about asking questions and wanting to get better. And I didn't really know his background and I just figured he was a bit older. Maybe, maybe the fact that he had, you know, 200,000 followers would already sort of cement a level of, of what's the right word? Validation in his own eyes, right? Like, Oh, you know what? Like maybe, Maybe I'm already at a certain level because I've gotten to this, this number. But the reality of it is it's just a number that he, he recognizes he worked hard for it, but it's not the end all be all that defines him. He's always trying to improve. I mean, I, I see that in a lot of the people that we talk to, what you're describing, you know, be having been successful to some degree in what they do, but not being satisfied with where they are and constantly pushing themselves. Yeah. And I think that's critical. It's people, people often look at this and wonder, how do you do it? But I mean, there's a lot of people that have and are doing it. Yeah. It's just maybe, maybe the stories are not always put to the forefront. Should we get into it this week? Yeah. Let's jump into it. I mean, we're going to hear, we're going to hear more from Jamal um, on the site eventually. Yeah. So for my topic this week, I have picked an interview that came out on Billboard with Jimmy Iovine, Zane Lowe, and Larry Jackson. Jimmy Iovine runs Apple Music based in LA. Zane Lowe is the creative director and the LA anchor of Beats One. And Larry Jackson is the Apple Music head of content. And they sat down and they talked about the future of music in general and how Apple Music is doing this was also the publication at which they announced that Apple Music is now over 30 million paying subscribers, which sounds like a lot, but Spotify actually has 60 million paid subscribers, which they announced in July of this year. So just 
to put it in perspective. I think it's still impressive. I think it is yeah. also because Apple Music started in early 2015 and Spotify in 2008. So Spotify has like the seven year lead on them. More about the interview. Um, Iveen, so Billboard talks to them about, you know, how has Apple Music gotten to where they are? What are they doing well? And generally, Iveen, Lowe, and Jackson are saying, you know, actually, the tactics that we're doing to get subscribers isn't enough. And we can't really stop where we are, even though we have paid subscribers, our catalog numbers are up. This is not where we think the future of music is. Like, streaming still has a long way to go and a lot of things to figure out for success. Yeah, what are some of the tactics they're currently employing that have worked or what's their general strategy? Have you listened to Apple Music? No. Do I even listen to Spotify? Only when you guys want to listen to it. Do you listen to music is really the question. Um, Well- I do do know that people complain about Apple Music as um, from a design and UX standpoint. That's all I really know. Ah, it's not really the same thing. Actually, that's one of the things I did want to talk about is Mm -hmm. it's interesting how- Apple products kind of operate independently from each other because I think what you have heard, what you've just voiced is that iTunes UX is Yeah. Oh, sorry. iTunes UX whoa, is- Whoa, whoa. Flying off the deep end here, Sheree. Want to keep that clean rating. Um, iTunes UX could be better. Yeah. But I guess what I'm trying, what I'm curious to know is- what was the takeaway that you thought was critical to this interview? Okay, yeah. So the crux of it that I think is interesting, whether you agree or not with their tactics. So what Apple Music is doing to, what they think is the key to getting paid subscribers is not just focusing on like top of the charts, like these are the biggest singles, but what they say is to connect artists and audience. Mm-hmm. So to give Artists, and they give an example of Sampha, who's like a um, rising new musician, possibly okay. going to win like best yeah. new artist this year. So is it kind of like social media undertones? Well, not really. It's kind of like what they're saying is, you, we talked about it in the past about the rise of the playlist. Yeah, the right? playlist. So what Apple Music, what these three guys are kind of saying is, we are fighting in a way against the playlist. They also do playlists just to say they yeah. they have some pretty good playlists. But- what they want to do with like Beats One and Apple Music is they want to give artists a space to explain their record, explain the whole idea behind why they're making music or like the story yeah. of, you know, this year in their so career. Does that mean it's a fundamentally different product than Spotify? Whereas you kind of have a splitting where Apple Music is more for the true fan, whereas Spotify is, I just need music. I think so. I think that's what Apple at least currently seems to be putting Is there. it like literally Apple as in iOS versus Android where Android is trying to spread itself everywhere. Whereas like iOS is a very oh, curated experience. Yeah. It does fit the Apple narrative quite well. You could say that. I hadn't actually, I didn't think about this while I was prepping, but that does make sense because- Apple's never been about- everyone is going to own this phone. It's really about people that want a certain experience and obviously a certain uh, level of disposable income. I think what it is, is that Apple Music has to be able to do both to be successful because if they don't, if their catalog doesn't have the songs you want, you're still not going to go there. Do you know what I mean? Are are you, are you an Apple Music user versus Spotify? So 
my boyfriend is a Apple Music subscriber, so I listen to his, but I'm not actually paying out of my own pocket. Yeah, yeah. So just to But you explain, have Spotify on your own I account? don't pay for Spotify. Yeah. So I actually, to explain my own listening habits would be a good way to define the needs Spotify and Apple Music fulfill. Yes. Because when I have a specific track in mind that I want to hear, I will look it up on Spotify because mm-hmm. I know that they have a good quality version and I'm not, I'm not really a YouTuber. Yeah. So I don't really go to YouTube for my music, but then when I want to discover new songs or I want to hear something that's different, like I don't have anything particular in mind. I go to Apple music because I do really enjoy, I enjoy some segments of beats one. I enjoy blonded radio, which is curated by Frank ocean. Um, I have listened to like the OVO sound yeah. shows by Drake. Yeah, interesting. Um, I mean, I read the interview too. The thing that I thought was most interesting was the fact they've recognized they can't rest on their laurels with their catalog, their back catalog, right? And how do you create new fans? Like, I mean, I I know who the Beatles are, right? And does the next generation know? They probably can with Grady stumble upon it, but will it have that same sort of relevance like i probably was put on the beatles because my parents were put onto it and it was during their era so like every generation you're losing a little bit of connection yeah right so to bring in some other music industry news spotify recently started doing this playlist called time capsule did you read about this of course not well you read trade news so might have come up okay Um, no so time capsule is Apparently, if you are a Spotify subscriber, this is a playlist just for you. They guess your age. I don't know exactly how. Maybe you gave it to them, but or based off of your listening preferences. Yeah. And then they've generated a playlist that's supposed to be songs that you listen to between the ages of like 15 and 20. Yeah. So it's like a nostalgia playlist. That sounds terrible. (laughs) It sounds like it sounds like Stranger Things, but like, you know, packaged into Okay, playlist. to you that sounds terrible, but it's actually gotten really good press. Like people on the internet have been very happy oh, I guess, with yeah. this. And they think like it's a good product move for Spotify. You're right. I'm just gonna take the hater shoots off for a second because it does make sense. Like I, when people ask me, oh, put a song on Eugene. I only, I only ever defer to this grade eight to grade Twelve second year university playlist. What's a prototypical grade eight nine song for Eugene? I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure my first like the, the song I'll ever I'll always always defer to is Rough Riders Anthem. Oh yeah, always. It's even in a story of ours. Yeah, I think I actually have the CD somewhere. But one thing I thought was really interesting, and it's a link I shared in the briefing on Tuesday, was someone suggested that Apple with its massive cash reserves, like over $250 billion worth of cash reserves should just buy Sony. Oh yeah, Yeah. that was. Because what they get is a lot of things. They get Sony imaging. Obviously iPhones need sensors for cameras. They get entertainment catalog, which is very expensive. And you can start throwing that into iTunes from a movie perspective, movie rentals, whatever. Obviously you have music catalog. But Sony isn't looking for an acquisition. Hey, if the price is right, I mean. I don't, I mean, this is a totally different totally topic. Different. I think just strategically, it, it makes sense when you have 
that much cash. I think strategically for Apple, I can see how it makes sense, but I don't think Sony is looking for this. I mean, I hear the price is right. And I don't, like, even with a price, I don't think there are some things you can't. Okay. Well, anyway. Yeah. Um, other music related news. I didn't know this, but I found out that Microsoft has a music streaming product. What's it called? Groove Music. I, I fam- I'm familiar with Groove because they used Wait, to have, serious? I'm familiar with the name because they used to have an MP3 player, didn't they? I don't know because, well, first of all, I'm not a Microsoft user and it was formerly Xbox Music until two years ago when it was rebranded as Groove. I'm going to, I'm pretty sure there's one, but. Okay. So why is this the relevant? news, the news yeah. is that Microsoft just killed it like this week. A couple days ago. So they've killed Groove Music. They're discontinuing all service by the end of this year. If you happen to be one of the, they didn't even put out the number, one of the handful of Groove Music listeners and subscribers, they worked out a deal with Spotify where you can port all of your playlists over to Spotify and you can also get like a 90 day um, Spotify premium thing if you sign up now. Yeah. So that's interesting to me. Um, Does does it worry you that there's only a handful of streaming music players? Exactly. That is what we're getting at. Well, there's also only a handful of record labels. And what you're suggesting about like Apple Music buying Sony would be like merging those two things. Yeah. Like the handful of streaming providers and then the handful of record labels, they all get in bed with each other. We basically only have three music companies for everything. Yeah. So the big ones are Apple, and then Spotify. And isn't obviously- It's not even so in hard. the big one. Yeah. The big four that I have identified are Apple, Spotify, Amazon Prime. And do you know the fourth one? Uh, I know it. If you told me, I'd be like, yeah, that's the other one. It's but like, you're not going to think of it. It's, I'm going to give you a hint. You, people do not generally think of it as a music. YouTube. Yes. Okay. YouTube accounts for 25% of music streamed worldwide. That's crazy. And then the other 75 is to like all the other folks. It, it makes sense because I, I would, I would assume in, in developing countries, that's where they go to for music because you don't need to really, like you don't need to download an app. Well, we also have a new apprentice. Yeah. Philson. Yeah. Who is, you know, a couple years younger, <laughs> a good chunk. He's 19. Yeah. Younger than us. And according to him, all of the people his age listen to music on YouTube. Yeah, I, that was, that was, I, I, I go there too sometimes because you have to go, if you're only looking for one song and one song only and you have no particular purpose, you let it play and you let the algorithm take over, right? And just like, after this is done, let me play this for you. Right. Yeah. So you asked me the question, like, am I worried? And I, I say yes, because I think, you know, we've talked about this in other industries as well. Like the more players, the better, right? Like the more people that are involved, the better it is for us as consumers, as people who listen to music in this case. So I actually, even though Apple is already huge, they have so much influence in our everyday lives. I still would root for Apple music because I think YouTube is even more worrying. Yeah. Like YouTube as being part of Google, YouTube yeah. in the news about- And especially they're an ad-driven company. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I worry about that. Like they tried to do their own subscription product, YouTube Red, but yeah. there's been a lot of 
Um, there's been controversy about yeah. YouTube Red actually also showing ads yeah. and then not like disclosing that. Yeah. So I mean, I, I know it's part partially like a PR play, but Apple Music does sound like they also care a lot more about yeah. musicians and their craft. Yeah, I the one thing that does come to mind is to get into streaming music is so incredibly expensive. Yeah, that, I mean, how else are you really going to? find a way to sustain it, right? Like SoundCloud was sort of the best bet, but you have all the cool shit on SoundCloud, but it's not really coming through in terms of a business. This, that's why you need that Apple Music mechanism to yep. support yeah, you need young artists yeah. to pump for people that are undiscovered. Yeah. Because ultimately, I guess Apple Music, like you were saying about the iPhone, about the Apple ecosystem is that People are lazy and want to a degree to have someone tell them like, this is what's good to turn them onto that. And I actually, I benefit from this in this case. Yeah. Do you, do you think there's a propensity for Apple music to charge more than Spotify? I think Apple music right now is- Because if you think about it, if Apple music fundamentally as a product may not have the same extensive catalog, but it is a better product- can they charge more for that? You know, if it's if it's 15 bucks for Apple Music versus 10 bucks for Spotify, you know, Apple Music- I'm pretty sure needs Apple Music is already more expensive. A little bit more expensive probably, right? So let's see. Yeah, Apple Music is, this is going to be in uh, HKD. Apple Music is 78. Which is basically about 10 bucks. Yeah, and Spotify is 58. Oh, Spotify is quite a bit cheaper then. Yeah. Yeah. What's 58 in USD? 58 is probably Eight. seven something. Yeah. I mean, percentage wise, yeah. dollar wise is not that much, but percentage wise. Yeah. A month. Yeah. Seven something so US already, versus 10. 10 it's already more expensive because yeah. they believe that they're, well, they're positioning themselves as, as a premium product. Oh, I actually have two more interesting thoughts. Okay. My first thought that I did want to include is a remark on how people don't feel a need to actually own individual songs or CDs and that people have become comfortable with streaming and subscription. Like that's what this whole Apple Spotify subscription services indicate to me is that the ownership of an actual track is not as important as it used to be. And more and more people are willing to pay. Great example of this. And I don't know if I'm incriminating myself, but you know, back in the day I had a series that I downloaded and it was just sitting on my, on my Google Drive, okay. like a TV series. Yeah. And I was like, why do I even need this anymore? You know, it was first off in low quality. It was like probably, it wasn't even 720p. Yeah. It's like, but it's massive. It's still a massive file it's sitting on my Google Drive. So I just got rid of it. Because if I need to watch that, I'll just go to Netflix or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. And my second thought, I wanted to bring that up because just remarking on the continuation of this trend, which I don't really see as... I think it will only grow stronger. There is not going to be this turnaround point where people suddenly fall off from subscription and streaming. Um, the second thing that I was interested in is the Apple Watch. Have yes. you ever played with it? I don't own one. I don't own one either, but people around the office have okay. had Oh, them. right. Um, Elphick just bought one? Yes, Elphick just bought one. So the Apple Watch just came out with Series 3 and the OS that's on it is new as well. For the first time, they have Apple Music capabilities and mm-hmm. a radio app. 
So this makes sense, right? Like I'm surprised it even took them this long to get the music onto the watch. Mm -hmm. The thing that is interesting is that they have no other streaming apps on the watch. You're not allowed to get like Spotify. It's not available. And this is interesting to me because I mean, I don't think that they're, I don't imagine that they would, you know, can't, they can't actually kick out other apps from the app store. They could, but I think there'd be a lot of fuss over it. It'd be like, oh, you don't adhere to whatever. Right. But But I think it would call into question like, oh, this is really monopolistic, right? But what's powerful about Apple via Spotify is that Apple is also hardware. Yeah. It's like that hardware software link. Yeah. Yeah, the whole chain. Which gives them an edge. Yeah. I think. At, At the end of the day, between Spotify, Apple Music, I'm indifferent because if music was to vanish off the face of the planet, I'd be indifferent. You're rolling your eyes. That's just me. But <laughs> I I do support Apple more because I, I believe that the business that exists there with Apple, Apple's arguably the best business that's ever been created. Well, I that's why I brought up that, company. that point anyway, yeah. because I think you are interested in that hardware software link, regardless yeah. of music or not. Yeah. Yeah, because- hardware, software is offline, online in a way for me. Yeah. And I think that's always a very interesting topic. Yeah. Being able to finesse both of those products in tandem with yeah. each other and then providing a better experience because you're yeah. in control of both things. And as an aside, like for the longest time, I was a Android phone user mm-hmm. and then I got an iPhone. And even now I'm, in, I'm on a 6S. I'm in no hurry to replace it, but I also am not, looking beyond an iPhone ecosystem it just works. Like the apps generally work. I just don't like it when I update my iOS and all, all of a sudden everything gets slow or things start getting buggy or laggy. Planned obsolescence. Yeah. That's what that is. My topic this week is the daily paper and Puma celebrate by building a football pitch in Africa. So at the very heart of this project is a celebration of Puma's relationship with various African nations. And so over the last 20 years or so, Puma has been a very supportive voice within African soccer slash football and sponsored a lot of these major national teams. And they wanted to celebrate, you know, two decades of, of partnership by hitting up the Daily Paper guys, which is a brand out of Amsterdam. And they asked them to design a capsule of clothing and shoes that sort of represented this this occasion. And what's interesting is that Daily Paper and Puma have had an ongoing relationship as well. Yeah. So the Daily Paper is a brand, as I mentioned, out of Amsterdam, founded by Hussein, Abder, and Jefferson. And all three of these guys are from different parts of Africa, but they're inherently Dutch. But they've always looked to Africa, the continent, for inspiration. And that that part of it has always been fascinating because I think they've they've raised the awareness of that continent through an authentic voice. And they've done things that have tried to sort of reference back to their roots. Upon creating this collection, as always with these collaborations, there's often like a marketing budget. And usually what happens is people take that marketing budget and they put it towards a party, yeah. music, drinks, et cetera, et cetera. But in this occasion, I think what was really, really cool is that the Daily Paper guys elected to take that budget and set off to Africa and specifically Ghana, where Jefferson's from, and built a football pitch at an all-girls school. They, they built it at 
and I hope I'm saying this right, Arca Senior Girls School. That was my favorite detail. The detail about how they knew typically for collections, there's a launch party and to instead allocate that budget for something else. I think that's- On top of that, I think one of the ladies that worked at the school are like, oh, the boys get everything. So that was also really cool. Oh yeah. No, that was second favorite detail. Yeah. Huge. Every young player's dream is to play for the senior national team. Football is, is something something very beautiful in Africa. It's almost a religion. So for us to be able to work with Puma to come here and create something tangible, it's a, it's a dream come true. So the project was put together in conjunction with Right to Play, which is an organization that's focused on providing safe play opportunities to children across the world. So what that means is empowering them through simply being kids and going out and learning life lessons through interactions with other children in safe environments. Honestly, for me, this was something that I think touched upon so many important notes. I'm often pretty indifferent to to marketing initiatives, but this one kind of was the right intersection of both a topic I'm interested in, in soccer, football, um, the fact that you can get a brand on board, the fact that there's a social good cause behind it. And it's yeah. actually utilizing voice and platform. I'll go out and say that this is probably one of the best projects I've seen this year. Yeah. Yeah. And as an example, you know, another thing that it touched upon was, you know, dating back to what, episode seven or eight of Making It Up, mm-hmm. the Nike one, what, what sort of responsibility do big brands have? Yes. This to me was when I, when I was thinking my mind, like what is a good example of how a brand can get involved and not necessarily discount the fact that yes, they need to sell something. They they need to have Mm -hmm. some sort of uh, product initiative behind it. Mm -hmm. This to me was the best representation of what you can do. And it's not to say that Nike or Adidas don't do it. I just want to see more stuff like this because I think that you're not just hitting one particular checkbox of, okay, let's sell this and make it cool. Right. Um, Yeah. So to be totally clear, Puma and Daily Paper have done a autumn winter collection, which is available for sale on their site. But it's not, you know, there's not like this markup or anything. It's a a normal collection that they would do regularly. And by virtue of doing this project, they've also created new meaning behind it. You know what I mean? Now there's a deeper, there's a deeper layer to what this collection means. You know, I've had this strong held belief that brands need to do more because it's growing tiresome for me and it's boring when, okay, you know what? Let's launch this. Let's have a party. People forget about the party a week later. Yeah, you might get really drunk. Oh, you you share some moments, post some stuff on social media, Instagram. But this actually provides value to a community that's much more long lasting. You know, this is a this is an opportunity for people for the girls of the school for the local community to have a safe place to go and play football. Right. I, the one thing that kind of sucks for me is that I wish there was more of a push behind this because I looked at the video right before, you know, this talk and it was like, there's like 3000 views. Yeah. Even when we looked at it, when it first came up, it was only like a thousand. Yeah. So I know what you mean. So it's like, yeah, you might get posted to certain places, but the reality of it is that it's lost. Like there's not a bigger initiative or push behind it. You know what I think it is, is that big sigh there. We talked about this when we were thinking about how to talk about news, time sensitive things. And often it's the negative news that's get so much traction. And we don't talk enough about 
the positive good things that people are doing. And it's just not viral and shareable in the same way for some reason. It's just the reality of the situation. We just gravitate towards that. It's a lot easier to hate on something than it is to like really get behind it, yeah. I think. And to reinforce the point, for a lot of brands out there, this this to me, I don't know why what it was, but it didn't feel like charity, you know, which is I think a very contentious sort of line you have to walk. Because sometimes mm. when things are overly charitable, it almost removes itself from, it almost pushes itself far, too far to one side. This kind of reminds me of the Black Girls Code Uber conversation because mm-hmm. that's what you're talking about, right? Where Uber tried to do this charitable thing by donating money to Black Girls Code and Black Girls Code turned down. And part of it was because they felt like, well, this is just you trying to get more brand equity. Yeah. This is not genuine. Yeah. I think that's what you're getting at is yeah. that this doesn't, this doesn't feel like, oh, we just want to add charity to the things that people think about us. Like we want to do this because this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I, I tweeted about this and, and Puma, someone at Puma football, whatever, who was running their account was like, yeah, we, we believe that everyone should have access to a game of footy. What? Not saying that you need a field to play at, but it's also a place that I think uh, provides structure. And mm-hmm. without structure, like there's certain things that, you know, it's more difficult for you to grow a, a base or a foundation on. You know, like now it's, to use an example, and I'm, I'm kind of pulling this out of thin air, but I think it's the reality is all of a sudden you can start having organized sessions like, oh, you know what? The the road you usually play on that that's filled with cars passing back and forth. All of a sudden you can move that to a place where, hey, you know what? Between seven and seven and 8 a.m., we're going to train here. You know, I think that allows you to create some structure behind it. What about this project also really speaks to me that I like and um, make makes me more willing to champion it is because Puma, because of the history behind all of this, like you shared this article about Puma um, outfitting a lot of other African yeah. teams. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not like clear on which teams or yeah. wouldn't even be able to identify them, but they have a history of being the kit sponsors Correct. already yep. in the country, yeah. like in Ghana and then in other surrounding African countries. Yeah. Like Cameroon, mm-hmm. Ivory Coast. Uh, yeah, exactly. And the streetwear collection that they did with Daily Paper is inspired by graphics and color blocking patterns from those places. So I'm just saying like there was a lot of, there's history, like Puma has been in this area. There is thought behind like the actual collection. And that's what I said. That's why I said, you know, this football pitch initiative makes sense because this is just like the natural result of doing this kind of work. You know, like I think that's also what is less appetizing about other brands charitable efforts is because it's clear that, you know, there's no history here. Like this is just, you pull this out of your hat. Like someone in your PR office was like, Oh, this charity is trendy. Like let's just jump aboard this. And I I like the fact that this project in and to itself is something that could be applied anywhere. You know, this project is something you could take to Thailand. You could take to anywhere where they're just lacking facilities. It's actually funny you say Thailand because I, looked up where Right to Play works and Thailand is their Southeast Asian location. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. There's there's so many things that, I mean, just myself growing up, it's knowing you had a place that you could go to to play sports or like that you would know there was organization around it. And there's nothing wrong with, I'm not saying that to play a sport, you need to have a nice facility, but it does lend itself to certain outcomes 
Well, this is also in connection to another link you shared in the briefing, if you remember, where it was about what you lose when only rich kids can play sports. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's weird. It's like uh, sometimes all these things sort of like coalesce and come together. Maybe we're looking for it, maybe we're not, but yeah, like it's to to give you a bit of background on that. Soccer, especially in the United States, is very expensive. More often than not, they 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 look at why why the U.S. national team is not as as successful as maybe it wants to be. Men's. What I say? Oh, the men's U.S. national team. Yeah, the right. women's one is successful. Okay, sorry, let me rephrase that. But why the men's national team is not as successful as it wants to be, and to be honest, you need to pony up a lot of money as a kid to be able to play on these travel teams, these club teams. And that already is a big sort of deterrent to a lot of probably talented kids that can't go and play. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of, to kind of reference back to that article, the author was saying how when she was coming up in high school as a runner, there's a coach that really believed in her. And if it wasn't for the belief of her coach, she wouldn't have opened up all these future doors and opportunities. Like, for example, she would get rides from the coach you know, making sure she was taken care of, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's that's a really critical thing. Like when you're playing sports with friends and you build such a strong camaraderie with your friends, like you don't want to go do other things, right? I mean, I can say that. It's kind of like for better or worse, playing sports and playing video games together, I think can in some ways have similarities. Although obviously active participation in sports out in the real world. I, I'm talking more of the community aspect. I think there is yeah. so, well, the only reason I gave you like that skeptical look is because I think I also play video games. So just, I'm not trying to hate on that, but I think the benefits of sports is really oh, yeah. clear. Like there are so many like the studies physical done. Benefits and like, the yeah. social benefits, just, you yeah. know, teaching you to be a team player and yeah. then also confidence in yourself. Anyway, this article, which we can put in the show notes, goes on at yeah. length about the benefits of playing sports as a kid are long lasting and yeah. also affects, I'm not like to say, oh, playing sports means you're going to be like successful in business later in life, but there is some link between yeah. continuing to play sports and then having like greater aspirations Correct. as an adult. Yeah. No, that's totally valid. Which is just going back to say that like the Puma Daily Paper project is meaningful in a bigger societal impact. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just, it's not just like giving money to them, you know, like, specifically saying like, we want to work with right to play. We believe in the power of sports. Yeah. We only have good things to say. Is yeah. there anything to bad? No. I mean, I don't really know. I, I no, there. I really just hope that this becomes a, a benchmark, you know, that it's not just a one-off and hopefully other brands, other people wanting to do stuff like can look to this as an example of, of a way of incorporating intelligent marketing. Marketing is not going to go away ever, right? At least th this doesn't need to be your your main project every single season, but having this in there, like I think the people that actually genuinely care and are sick and tired of the rampant sameness of throwing a party, et cetera, et cetera. I think like, the framework of the video said that Daily Paper, like the guys at Daily Paper were the ones who came up with the idea. Yeah. And they pitched it to Puma. Yeah. So I know Daily Paper is small, so I don't think that they have the bandwidth to, you know, necessarily do a lot of similar projects. Like I would hope, I would hope that they can, but I don't really expect them to for their size. But because they 
asked Puma and Puma was on board, it does make me think like, hopefully Puma is the one who takes this initiative with the other brands they work with yeah. and do other projects in yeah. connection with them. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be really cool if they it just built a bunch of these around the world and then they brought all the teams together for one tournament. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not the kind of footy fan you are. So I feel like any sort of initiative was great, but one with one with a structure and proven success can be more widely applicable. It's a good place to end things yeah. for the day. Yeah. If you're interested in hearing more about Macon and our membership opportunities, you can visit us at macon.com where there are a lot more stories you can listen to on the sights and sounds of creative culture. You can also subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and platforms. Do us a favor. If you like this podcast, give us a review on iTunes or share this podcast with a friend for better or worse. Podcast discovery is quite difficult. So yeah, the reviews do mean something and your personal recommendation means a lot. Thank you to everyone who has been sharing. Yeah. And the feedback, the feedback's been really good. Yeah. um, I think this is, we keep forgetting to tell people you can email us at Eugene at Megan.com and Sharice at Megan.com. Time for the trademark outro. I'm Eugene. I'm Sharice. And this is making it up. I successfully didn't laugh because I was ready. Good.